0: My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, aka Uncle Bud. Is legal in New York right now.
1: Hey, uh, just, what's going on, Will? Tom, Justin there. Justin, what's up? You are squeaking like a balloon. Little, a little birthday bit. or
0: something? You okay?
1: Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, filling it up. Filling it up tonight, um, guys. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Yeah, we're, I'm. I'm happy. Yeah, I. I like
2: fun. Allegedly. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know your recent Instagram post says otherwise. Oh,
0: <laughs> come on. Tell me, uh,
1: how many eggs did you find?
0: Yeah, I oh boy, that's a loaded question. Uh, we all know that I like older women, so I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but Justin, enough about my weekend. How was yours? That was a nice weekend.
1: Um, I feel like I bought all the podcast merchandise uh, this weekend. Uh proud new owner of a ridge wallet what and a, and a traeger grill so <laughs> having a really good right. time the advertising works yeah. yeah the advertising fucking works uh promo codes are real uh one day we'll we'll does, know firsthand does, but
0: does caligari records sell that because i've never heard of it
1: no they don't they'll, okay. they'll be selling something soon yeah which is exciting Yeah,
0: i didn't see that on the latest severed records update so i don't know if it exists shout outs that's, a, that's um, my frame of reference
1: but yeah you know so I. Uh, well, let's just say my money is secure and the meat is tender. Oh, wow! And uh, and it's it's very nice. So oh, interesting. Um, so I'm I'm having a good weekend, ready to smoke some fish. Oh uh, boy. This spring and summer.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, we're smoking a lot out here in New York. Um, Thomas. Yeah, Tom. Pa- let me pass it to you. Uh what is
2: there to say? It's been beautiful outside, getting some sun on the old cap, as mom says, you know, and um, yeah, you know. <clears throat> What did we do this weekend? I saw you. It was your birthday. Yeah, Justin. Okay, happy, so, birthday, happy birthday, Justin. Airhorn. Right Jesus. Yeah. Happy birthday, Airhorn. So yeah. it was good. You know, uh, got to experience your new barbecue. Very cool. Beautiful. Uh, besides that, not much to report. Everything is cruising now. Cruise control.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, Will, what's been going on with you, man?
0: Uh, they legalized recreational marijuana in the state of New York. I don't know if you guys heard about that. I did. Interesting. Um, I'm allegedly not angry. That they did that, I would not be. Yeah, there's a lot of things that make me angry. I don't know if you and the listeners have caught on.
1: <laughs> Weed will never be too mainstream for
0: you. Yeah, that. I'm pretty angry. I'm, a, you know, I get frustrated, whang, whang. I get bitter, <laughs> complain. I I I listen to Final Exit. My fast forward past the silly parts. I just want to hear the brutal parts. I don't want to hear the surf rock part. That's, that's too fun for me. I um I t- I, I shared a an image. On the Instagram over the weekend, what I did on Easter, or I'm, I don't want to offend anybody, spring solstice or whatever the fuck, and I don't know, I don't care. Celebrate what you do. I uh, don't have fun. That picture was in all seriousness. Um, it was uh, it was celebrating the noble rabbit uh, yeah, and, the, and yeah. the sins
2: that he died for the sake of our atonement. I totally understand. Yeah, whatever, whatever, uh, yeah.
0: whatever it goes into. But I, I just want album here. I want to assure our listeners that I do not like fun and metal. I mean that we had the episode with Coach. Shout out to Cody from Sanguasugabog Shout Shout to Sanguasugabog Allegedly, shrooms league getting legalized next up here, hopefully. Um, uh, with that that interview, a little 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 bit little little bubbling up, a little percolating on the social media. Big Big Will, why don't you like fun? Big Will, who are you taking shots at? Talking about bands in that interview, right? Taking shots at somebody? No, I. First of all, I only take shots at bands on this podcast, and it's not really taking shots. It's like sharing my objective opinion. I
1: take shots on the podcast. You mm. take different types of yeah, shots, I, That's,
0: we'll yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, tequila legal in New York yeah. State? Yes. Tequila <laughs> is very legal. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I don't know about the, the amounts you drink. But but listen, oh. All I'm saying is that if I talk about a band on this podcast and that I don't like something going on, it's because I feel they have enough support in the underground scene where I don't matter to them. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna like knock your brother's band camp gore grind project. So
1: no matter how knockable. Yeah. yeah so yeah, but
0: I just wanna yeah. clear that no. up. I don't have fun. We, I don't I don't yeah. laugh.
1: That's right, we, we punch up here. I don't laugh yeah. when there's
0: metal on. I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we punch up I throw up when I listen to metal because <laughs> it's gross. I don't laugh. I don't enjoy jokes. I just want to assure the listeners of all that, all right? Yeah. Um, uh, another guy, very serious guy, never enjoyed a joke in his life, never laughed. No, I'm just kidding. We got Steve Schwaggler of the bands Pieron, Seputus, and Weeping Swords. very good-natured, kind man who I've laughed with many times over the years uh glad to be talking to him again tonight um old friend people know there's a connection with Piron, artificial brain and our adjacent projects we hang out sometimes we play shows in the city sometimes people forgive me for being a country bumpkin out here in suffolk county i go there they have art galleries it's beyond my comprehension i love brooklyn all right so uh Call up Steve Swagler. He's down in Philly, by the way. We're going to get into the whole nature of Piron and how they shape shift between different regions and uh, improvisations and all sorts of stuff, man. But first, I need you to do something for me, Tom. What's that? Put him on the phone. heavy hole podcast this is big will joined by my loyal co-hosts as always tom and justin and tonight's special guest steve schwegler of not only pieron but seputus and weeping sores did i get that right sir that is all correct all right it's it's schwegler right
3: Schwegler, yeah, man, you're the best. I know you know how to do those those brutal last names. So all right, yeah, yeah. Well, you
0: know, sometimes I, I, if I say someone's last name, I might leave out a vowel or something. It might just be my accent. Anyway, uh, it's great to talk to you because um, people who are familiar with your band and my band uh, bands, I should say. Uh, no, you know, we've we've uh, we've performed shows together before. We have associated bandmates and friends and things and th- things of that nature. Um, and, uh, I'm glad we finally got you on the horn, man. So, Steve, how you doing, man? What's, what's been going on?
3: Not much, man. I, uh, I was pretty psyched to do this interview as I've been a long time listener of the podcast. And, uh, I counted it up the other day. I think I've listened to like 30 or 40 episodes of the show. <laughs> nice. Uh, like back oh, yeah. in the, back in the day. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, when you guys were like talking to, I think it was either Thetis or someone like in the venue when it was like so echoey and loud. You could like you just I just had to turn it all the way up and listen to it. <laughs> oh yeah, that, those were rough. Thanks that for was, making it through those
2: ones. I
0: yeah. think that was out in the back of Shakers. That you, that was uh, you played That's there it. with Pierron a long time ago. Uh, we brought Piron all the way out there uh, to the Boondocks, yeah. Long Island. But um, well, speaking of a long time ago, let's let's talk about an even longer time ago because if you've listened to the show that much, you know where I'm going, Steve. Uh, and yeah, we'll, and we'll yeah. start with the obligatory question. Uh, do you, do you, uh, do you come from uh, a particularly music, f- musical family, musicians in your family, or even people who are just inclined towards heavy metal, hard rock or that sort of thing?
3: Uh, so my primary family, uh, nobody really plays. My dad played a tiny bit of piano and basically just took a hard left into getting into computers and stuff and just kind of abandoned it. Uh, but my mom's uh, younger brothers, my uncles Keith and Eric, I got to shout them out because they uh, they introduced me like to the first like loud like drumming and guitar playing in like a garage in Kensington, <laughs> in Philadelphia. Um, and that was the first time I had seen anybody actually playing. Uh, so uh, yeah, I had to give credit to my uncle Keith and Eric. They were, they grew up in and played in like some kind of no-name hardcore bands huh. and stuff in Philadelphia for a little bit before they kind of drifted off. Uh, But I'm kind of the black sheep in the family, man. I'm the only musician, the only person that does any of this kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so uh, what, well, I should say, what comes first, playing an instrument or getting into more heavy music or alternative music, so to speak?
3: Uh, I'd say playing an instrument, uh, probably because, I mean, instrument in quotations, because when I grew up, uh, I was... Probably for like 14, 13, maybe even younger, trying to play along to Stone Temple Pilots and Soundgarden on like my uh, my toy buckets and uh, hitting yeah. an Etch-A-Sketch with like a like a paint spreader. That <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes a good snare drum sound, actually, believe it or not. The Etch-A-Sketch, it's like uh, pretty good. So you break it. Get everywhere
0: that makes a good metaphor hitting us hitting an etch-a-sketch with a paint spreader that's like a i feel like i could go to i could go somewhere and that could be like a, a, a haiku or something yeah, or
1: tell colin that's what you want <laughs> yeah. the drums to sound like yeah yeah,
0: yeah i'm gonna yeah t- tell colin that's what the mix needs to sound like crank crank up the uh, uh the etch-a-sketch um uh so <laughs> so then when uh when do you get your first drum kit uh i probably got my first drum kit i think it was like 15
3: uh my, my folks and i already moved out of northeast philly we went to Jenkintown, uh and that's when we had enough space so yeah i think I'd say christmas like oh i don't know what year that would be 2000 probably 2000 mm-hmm. okay. i'd say like 2000, 2001 sounds about right
0: okay and got a kit and, and, I, and i gotta stop you i gotta ask you respectfully you say so you, it's safe to say you're from kensington uh which is an area in philadelphia right
3: I'm from uh, I'm actually from Mayfair, Holmesburg area in northeast Philly. My uh, my mom's my grandmom and their family, they grew up in like Port Richmond, Kensington area. So I would go and visit them on the weekends. But like uh, I spent my I spent my childhood in uh, in the uh, Holmesburg kind of Tarsdale common area. If anybody shouts that out, that probably know where that is if they're from that area. But uh, yeah, so I grew up in Philly and Philly related areas basically my entire life.
0: Okay, uh, that, and the only, and shout to Philly. I have a lot of great memories from Philly. Of course, playing Kung Fu Necktie with uh, with you guys in Piran, and even beyond that, traveling back and forth. It's not that far away from us here in New York. Uh, so I say this with respect. But Kensington um, has been hit hard by the opioid epidemic. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's more than fair to say, definitely. Yeah, it's it's. Well, yeah. I I say that because it's something that comes to mind, and unfortunately, I think it's been out there in social media and that sort of thing a lot.
3: Yeah, you know, it's one of those unfortunate things um, where it's like a dark corner of the city. A lot of it, it, it's it's an unusual thing because it's it's something that local businesses like try to like they try to like increase the value of the land by just pr- trying to bring more people in from out of the city, from either New York or Delaware, or uh, so you have that side of that kind of like. Exploitation and then you have like people who were like amateur photographers and like amateur Ken Burns types kind of thing You
0: know
3: riding down and taking pictures of people and it seems a little opportunistic. So I mean that's like a Hmm. It's an unfortunate side. I mean it's it's been around for as long I remember after I got out of the Navy I came back and it had really bloomed and developed into the kind of the nasty thing that it is today and yeah, it sucks, man It is it's like that it's like every Every major city has, has some piece of that going on. But there I remember they were calling that. I read one article that said it was called the, the Walmart of heroin or something like that. And it's like a semi-famous or infamous article about that.
0: Well, at least, you know, it, it's because that's what I mean. A lot of us are familiar with the, the word Kensington and related to what I guess it's maybe known for a little bit more now. But um, it's good to hear you talk about at least growing up there and humanizing it a little bit for us um uh and reminding us that you know these places uh you know there there's real people there it's not just the article or something like that so I just did I, I did want to touch yeah. on that and get your perspective
3: oh for sure man I mean granted like northeast Philly and where I grew up like the majority of my time was like a fair bit away from Kensington like a few, like a I don't know like 10 15 miles north mm-hmm. of it but I did spend a lot of time going down on the weekends and stuff when I was like a little kid and. I mean, you know, I had my share of hardships, kind of growing up around there. Walking down the street, with my uncle, who I mentioned before, I remember we've gotten like jumped like one or two times, just headed down the street to the arcade or whatever, you know. because you don't really know, <laughs> like what time of day, yeah. Get something in their head if you're at the wrong place, wrong time, you know.
0: Um, well, the, the arcade, they know yeah. you got quarters. They know you got a couple of a couple of bucks on you if you're going to the arcade.
3: <laughs> they get you coming before you know, not going. you know?
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that's that's how some people uh, think. Um, but yeah. well, you know, not to dwell on that, but just, you know, just to, just to color your, your story a little bit and to paint that picture, um, and shout out to all of our Philly listeners and, uh, all of our friends down there. Um, now we talk about, uh, you, you get your, your, your first pair of drums. I think we left off, you said you moved and then that's around the time you got your first pair of drums, right? Your first set of drums, I should say.
3: Yeah. The first, the pair, uh, pair of tubs. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. <laughs> slam some tubs uh, I was like yeah 1516 I got them uh, my 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 folks were tired of me destroying things in the house taking the fan covers off the fans you know playing the the blind intro to corn and all that <laughs> <laughs> You really got
1: in there then it's messing up the whole oh, yeah, house absolutely. love it
3: yeah you know well this is before like the, that's the funny thing I remember like one of the things I always remember is but it was this was like before YouTube got popular and I thought that drummers like I saw so few videos or anything of drummers playing that I kicked I used to actually think the drummers kicked the kick drums with their feet. <laughs> Got another reason pedals. So that's what I did. I was like trying to do it like that, and it didn't work <laughs> out. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> "Dude, all these all these dudes are on hard drugs, man. I don't know how they can like double kick like that. I mean, this is insane." <laughs> wow.
0: That that's interesting though, because something I've heard people bring up is how. Back in the eighties and and into the nineties, you really you know without YouTube and all like nowadays you have all these drum tutorials. You can watch George Collieus and all these drummers and they yeah. break down their songs and do it at half speed and whatever. But like back in the day, if you were in the eighties or the or the nineties and you heard Death, you say you heard Gene Hoglin or one of those guys, you could listen to the Death album over and over. Maybe it, maybe there was a VHS tape somewhere you could get, but like That's it really that, yeah. wasn't. You couldn't really study people unless you went to a show or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't probably go to my first show until I was around the time I started playing drums. I mean, it was like just before. Luckily, I I had like enough sense to figure out what was actually going on before I actually really Mm -hmm. got my drum kit and like got confused when I like looked at the pedal and went like, "Where does this go?" You know, like. uh, (laughs) But I I think the only live shows I had seen then was I saw like Rush, Tool, and like. Uh, man, I think that was probably it at the time. The only two live shows, and I think weirdly, Lacuna Coil also. <laughs> that's,
0: well, that, that's that's an odd triplet right there, man. But that's that's good, yeah. like for formative years, man. That's good to get. get uh, anyway, the Tool and the Rush, uh, especially as a drummer. So, will you say your first show? Like, what's when does when does Steve go underground? Like, what's your first underground show, or is it like that friend that's like, hey, check out this Immolation CD? Like, what happens?
3: So um, on my own, probably around 16, 17, I make that transition from Tool and the Soundgarden and the Metallica and stuff. You know, Metallica kind of arrives naturally for everybody in their lives. Um, you know, it's just an easy transition to make from something that's like what they would call grunge music. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really crossed over into Slayer, that stuff like at that time. But I kind of jumped into more prog death metal stuff. I, I'd say Opeth was a huge... Um, like Opus Blackwater Park was like a huge milestone for me where I made that transition and started like checking out death metal and more seriously. Um, and I mean, it was just that sudden, man. It was like one day, you know, Stevie Boy was listening to, you know, just like kind of straightforward punk parts and that kind of thing. And then it was just like Opus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like maybe some of the like later Neurosis stuff that popped up. I was listening, I was basically using allmusic.com and then being like looking at the, rec- the like the recommended or the related sections of being like, if you like Opeth, you should listen to this. I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot, you know? And that's how I heard my first, like, 20
0: death metal bands, pretty basically. Okay, and now, am I mistaken? Doug Moore, uh, your vocalist for um, pr- pretty much all your bands, I think it's safe to say. You collaborate yeah. with Doug Moore frequently. You you know him going back a ways, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the next step, really, is that uh, okay, I got at, it right. at the yeah. time, yeah. I, I had met him over the internet, actually. I don't, does anybody remember uh, AOL Instant Messenger?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I still have biolich at AOL.com. You could you can email me there. I can't guarantee I'll get back.
3: Huh. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's in the lost city of, of AOL. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I never used AOL, but I had the AOL Instant Messenger because the the – Back in the day, that was the way to send somebody you knew like an entire album's worth of music for stream. As long as the internet stayed up while you were doing it, like you could just send it. God, I sound fucking old as shit right now. I tell you, like, Go back I'll, when you I'll, can I'll,
0: stream. That's. I'll talk for a few minutes, and you'll. You'll. It's. It's like. A, it, it's like the fountain of youth when I start talking. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, You can just show. You can show all your friends and acquaintances how edgy you were by uh, what lyrics you put in your away message. As well. yeah. <laughs> that's
3: true. Uh-huh. So let me tell you a funny with quick, you. little anecdote about that. Before I joined the, the Navy, I I uh, I put in my away message at boot camp, and then like like a stupid like an asterisk like action. that says sigh or something next to it. It said like at <laughs> boot camp sigh, and I just left that. And I think my parents like left it up for me while I was gone. <laughs> 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 but I had to check with Doug to verify that, and make sure he saw it. But I think he I think he'd probably tell you the same thing. Yeah. So I got in contact with Doug. Uh, through that, And we talked and started kind of like talking right before I joined and I was still in late high school and we made friends, met a couple of times and then uh, basically just retained like a long term relationship, like a friendship over the Internet after that, basically.
0: Yeah, because this is like the, the part of the story that kind of like the way I the way I saw it kind of happen naturally, because um, when I meet the guys in Piron, it's kind of like early on in the artificial brain uh, trajectory and Alex Cohen is playing drums for Piron at that point. Uh, shout to him mm-hmm. and um, shout out. And then, then the, the very first national tour I did with Artificial Brain was with on prior to you, you were still in the Navy. And uh, Keith Abrami of Artificial Brain drummed it did double duty. Uh, I've talked about that tour. Um, and and mm-hmm. the whole time I heard uh, um, Doug kind of telling me, yeah, my friend Steve, he's in the Navy, and you know we're going to be collaborating with him with him eventually. You know, not not the whole time, but there was a, definitely a point where it was kind of like that was the that was kind of like the expected trajectory of the band. Um, so mm-hmm. so uh, let's let's before we get there, because that's the whole thing is kind of like you were you know you've kind of you've kind of like fulfilled that end of the deal. My buddy Steve's getting out of the Navy; he's going to join on I guess we could say you know that 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 transpired at this point pretty uh pretty clearly <laughs> that <laughs> checks out yeah too. that so checks ha- that yeah happens. fact check but um <laughs> but yeah
3: that, that checks out for sure
0: <laughs> but, but getting there uh do you well do you come from a navy family or a family of people that um are are in, or that have served uh served the country you know like that
3: uh also no um okay I, uh not all positions in my family no real military people i think uh my my grandfather on my dad's side, he was an Army captain briefly. I can't remember if it was reserve or if it was just like a four-year thing. Um, but, uh, no, it doesn't really run in my family. So I I went full, you know, like kind of left-hand path, as you might say, <laughs> uh, as far as the music and the lifestyle there. So, I mean, yeah, no, I just made that decision kind of on my own.
0: Okay. And I, I should say thank you for your service, man. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, respect. Oh, no problem. And – and um, you know, I, I talked to you a little bit, uh, in messaging, setting up this interview, uh, you know, I wanted to get into the idea of when you joined the Navy, um, do you find uh, shared experience and camaraderie through metal and extreme music with your fellow service members?
3: Yes. Uh, it's rare, but it, it does happen eventually, you know, uh, as a, as a, as it turns out, anybody in any walk of life who is into this kind of music really can't help themselves. And when they get their civilian clothes back in this circumstance, they're gonna end up having like a necrophage shirt on <laughs> or a Morbid Angel shirt on, or uh, so you become something of a, of a kind of a moving target for anybody else who's into that kind of thing. And if you see someone else on a base somewhere and you're wearing that, that shit, I mean, they're gonna be like, they're gonna point at you and go like, ah, like, you know what I mean? It's gonna be like, it's. It's like when you see someone in the wild in their 20s and they got the shirt on and you're like, dude, yeah. that's cool. It's like that, like amplified, it's like a lot, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're in high school and you see the other kid that's like got a pant. Like he's, it might be like a band you don't even like, but you're just like a metalhead, you know, like.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, my mom wouldn't let me wear that Butcher de Burr shirt, but yeah. that's cool, you know?
0: <laughs> so, and so what about, um, did, did you travel uh, uh, extensively while you were in the service?
3: Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I, I I've been to less places than some, and more places than some. I mean, I um, I've been to like the four corners of the country. I've been to Florida, Washington State. I've been I've lived in Hawaii for a couple of years right before I got out, uh, and I've traveled and deployed to El Salvador, uh, play, parts of Africa, parts of the Middle East, uh, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Sicily, a few places, a few other places I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Cork, Ireland, you know, just. Wow. places like that
0: so i mean that that's you really got to see the world compared to a lot of people that's very interesting um and i i can pick uh, you I, I can I'm, I'm sorry go ahead
3: yeah no i mean like uh, i that's basically it i mean like I, I remember before my experience before that like the farthest west i had been off the east coast uh was like driving through west virginia you
0: know yeah know I mean? yeah, like, so. yeah yeah no i, I that's I, just like
3: that's that's like the typical East Coaster experience I find and when I was growing up. It's like I talked to a lot of my friends, and they talked like Jersey was like some kind of pilgrimage. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah, I, I, it's different- uh, I'd never been past Virginia myself until I started touring with death metal bands. So that's... Um, yeah, definitely. That's, that's very common. But um, And I, I was going to say, I could sit here and pick your brain about all these different places you've been for a while, but to keep the conversation in the context of uh, extreme music during... Um, uh, when you were stationed at all these different places, did you ever actually get to like go to a show when um, you know when you when you had time off or anything like that? Was there anything of that nature, or did you or did you get to jam at all even?
3: Uh, yeah, so I for, as far as shows go, I got to go to a fair amount of shows. You know, early on in your Navy career, uh, you you know you're like basically like a tiny little kid, like a little baby. You know, your <laughs> first year. They don't know what to do with you. You don't don't have any qualifications yet. You haven't been to any schools. They don't know if they can trust you not to like run away and jump a train and disappear or some shit, you know. Um, So you don't get to go to as many shows or doing that kind of stuff like without like your your liberty buddy or whatever. Like the first year you're out, like you're in uniform everywhere you go. So you kind of stick out. You don't want to like go to shows and shit looking like that, you know. So (laughs) um, but after that, I mean, like after I got to my first duty station up in Washington State, I lived in uh, Oak Harbor, Washington uh, and, I, and I was stationed there for about six years. And so uh, that's about an hour and a half or two hours north of uh, Seattle. And so I went to a lot of shows, uh, either local punk shows on the island uh, or down in the city, down in Seattle or Bellingham or in the surrounding areas. And I uh, saw a lot of shows, man, a lot of stuff that i never would have gotten to see if I was just staying on the East Coast, honestly. You know, stuff like I, I remember one night I saw a giant squid in like this tiny huh. t- tavern. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. shit like that where I was like, wow, <laughs> you
0: that know, interesting. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah. That, like Giant Squid, Akimbo, uh, Neurosis, like all these West Coast heavy hitters, man, that I got to see while I was living out there. And so, I, yeah, I got as so many shows as I could. And as far as like playing with people after I lived in Oak Harbor for a couple of years uh, and I got my kind of my drumming chops back kind of to where I needed to. Uh, I started just playing with dudes who lived out there. I mean, I didn't play with anybody in the Navy, really I played with a couple of guys that I met in the Navy and we occasionally like, you know, they were on like a, they were stationed on carriers. So they would like deploy, disappear for six or nine months at a time sometimes. But like when they were home, we would like jam this like tech, death stuff together. And like this like electronic kit that they stuck in this box on the base. And it's like this little soundproof <laughs> box. And we were in there just like fucking tearing it up, you know, just like coming out covered in sweat. Um, but you just get it in where you can, man, and it's especially, like, it's with all the deployments and, like, the, you know, the detachments and all that stuff, like, going, traveling around, it's hard to maintain, kind of, like, playing the drums and playing this kind of music, you know, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: So, how long were you in the Navy? Uh, so, just about 11 years. I think it was, like, technically, it was, like, 10 years and 11 months, but almost basically 11 years
0: that's um well that that's longer than uh some people uh stay in the in the Navy is that correct
3: oh absolutely I mean yeah, yeah there's a lot of guys that don't do five or four years and I mean like the the technicality of it is that like you owe eight years but you have like four years in the back end or three years in the back end of like reserves or inactive reserves and they might even they might either never call you or you might serve like that that like couple years every couple weeks like you just like or a weekend warrior. Basically and you show up to the local base and hang out for a little bit. And then, you know, that's all you gotta do that month kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I just did the full 11 cause I just, uh, well, the, the full 11, not the full 20, the full 11 <laughs> on my own program. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. I just, I stayed in this as long as it naturally felt like I should stay in at the time. And yeah, that's, that's how it worked out. It's it's, an, it's definitely an odd time. A lot of vets would probably tell me now that like, dude, you were already over the halfway, you know, you should have just went the whole way and got the 20 in the pension, but it's like, dude, no, that's not what I was trying to do, you know?
0: Well, uh, as, as, uh, metal fans, we've gotten a lot of great music uh, out of the last few years. So we, we would argue back, uh, to those guys, but we, yeah. appre- but we appreciate those guys service regardless of their opinion of your service. Uh, anyway, moving past <laughs> it, uh, these, moving past these theoretical veterans that are, that are, uh, arguing with us right now, um, <laughs> Allegedly,
3: allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, before, allegedly, though. allegedly. <laughs>
0: allegedly. <laughs> so uh, 11 years goes by. You're watching now at this time. You say like you're still keeping in touch with Doug. You're kind of watching Pierron release more and more albums, accumulate more and more um, support through the underground scene and that sort of thing, right? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, so did, did I mean, from my perception, it kind of timed out like naturally, that when you were ready to, you assumed the the throne, the the Trump throne, so to speak. Is that is that fair to say?
3: Yeah, to their surprise, uh, even though they they talked about it a lot, I, I was actually I was surprised to hear he said that they talked about it as much as they did because I figured you well, know, I, on their
0: side, I, I may have played played know? that part up a little bit. I just remember it being very oh, right. yeah. interesting because you don't hear that every day. That yeah, my friend is in the Navy, and when he get when he gets out, he might you know he might be jamming with us. So I, you know, it's not like that was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's not like, you know, that was the mantra, you know, but I definitely heard yeah, that. Yeah, no,
3: that's not a typical story for sure. I mean, yeah. it's definitely very unusual. Anybody I tell that story, they're usually like, what? Like, the fuck? <laughs> so, like, yeah, man. No i mean, wait for you, but it, it was It, it, it was changed. an odd trajectory, too. I mean, it definitely, like, just showed up, like, out of the
0: blue, you know? So, um, so tell us about that, man. Tell us about, uh, you joining, uh, Piron
3: Yeah, so, um... You know, so I'm keeping up with the albums. I heard the first EP that came out. Every every time that Piran would... Uh, this is, you know, after, after Doug joined and he was still living in Philly and he was taking the bus up from, like, Penn to do vocals with them before he finally pulled the trigger and moved up there to the city to, you know, pursue it, you know, quote-unquote, full-time. <laughs> uh, as full-time as a metal band could be, you know. Of course, um,
0: yeah.
3: And every album they completed he sent to me and i would listen to it and i mean honestly like right from excellent servant man i you know I've, I've heard my share of death metal at that point and like lots of different stuff i heard you know obscura and i heard like all the big albums Gateways to annihilation like pierce with them from within anything that's worth the salt i've heard a hundred times at that point and it just i just felt at the time that this the shit they were doing just didn't sound like anything i'd ever heard before and i just i just like completely fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, him and I had just started having conversations just like gradually more and more about like what I was going to do after I got out, if I was going to play music and all this stuff. And I, I kind of it started with just joking, really just joking that I would get out and then just come join here because it's just, you know, I'm living in Washington State and then eventually living in Hawaii. Being deployed to like Africa and shit. I'm just like talking to him on Gmail, being like, yeah, I'll come join your band, bro. You know, like it doesn't <laughs> sound like it's gonna fucking happen. You know what I mean? It's like super bizarre. Um, and but like, you know, as my time got closer and I realized that I wasn't gonna stay in anymore and realist, I spent like the last two years I was in uh, like renting like a space in Hawaii, like in this town called, called uh, Kailua, which is like kind of neighboring to the Navy Marine Corps base there and i went in and i just started rehearsing the songs like by ear and just playing them over and over and over again because i had heard them like hundreds of times just like listen to them and was obsessed with the songs honestly like i heard growth of that and that blew me away and just like every time they came out with a release i just spent so much time with it and i realized then i was like i got i'm joining this fucking band like i'm going to make this happen you know what i mean and so i just rehearsed as much of it as i could and learned as much and, uh, I think it was like 2014, I came home on my, my last leave for people who aren't military inclined leave means that you, that's vacation, you know, leave means like you can, you know, as long as you give them an address, you can go be at that address somewhere else for like two weeks, three weeks, whatever. So I would like travel up to New York city on the train and I, I was 2014, we, uh, You know, I gave Doug and uh, Eric and Dylan the heads up as, hey, I'm coming up to visit, you know, because like I think it was like once a year I would go up and visit Doug in person, hang out. And like that was the only time we ever saw each other, like over all those years in person. And uh, we rented this like some practice space in Brooklyn where they had some like drum kit in there. And like we just brought gear and I told them up front, I was like, hey, let's play Mother Virtues. Like, you know, like most of it, if not all of it, like I'll, I'll we'll go play it right now. You know what i mean and they didn't show me anything so i just showed up and i just started playing it and like literally we played i think almost every song on that album like until like, the, the person who rented us the space like we ran over our rental hour and they kept like banging down the door being, like you guys got to fucking leave <laughs> you know you're over your time you gotta go <laughs> so i mean pretty much there man that's cemented it like i was just like all right like I planted the seed. Like I came on leave to do what I came to do. You know what I mean? And then, like a year later, after I got out, uh, I came knocking, and huh. I stepped out of the time machine, and that was it, man.
0: All right. Well, I I want to let you out of the time machine, but quickly. One one more trip in the time machine. <laughs> uh, um, not to dwell on your time in the service, but I'm very interested in, in Hawaii um, and uh, something I've I've kind of looked into, and I'm very curious about. Uh is there an extreme music scene, an underground scene, metal, hardcore punk, whatever in Hawaii that you know of?
3: Uh very small, but yes, yes, it is there. Uh I'll shout out a band of some guys that I knew and I actually met a couple of them, and while I was rehearsing on stuff, they're called Yuh uh Y U H. They're like a noisy like noise rock slash metal slash grind band. They're pretty sick. Um there's, like, a band like that, and I think they had another, like, a, almost like a Pantera knockoff band mm. called, like, Bone Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> Bone
1: Canyon. Yeah. I love that name. Amazing. Hell yeah. Bone
3: Canyon. Um, and I actually, I did the one metal show I ever saw uh, out there was a Mastodon show, and, like, mm-hmm. they opened that show. Like, <laughs> it's just like I was like, oh, it's, like, the only Hawaii metal band. Like, I <laughs> they guess they'll be the opener, you know, whatever. <laughs>
0: okay. Not a bad gig, uh, I guess. Yeah. The
3: only opener in the area?
0: Yeah, only only local uh, band in paradise, right? You know, if you're gonna be a local yeah, I mean, band, like, you might as well be in Hawaii, right?
3: Yeah, man, big ass pond, but a big ass fish, you know. I guess you would say, <laughs>
0: but like, yeah, dudes,
3: it, there, there were like little punk bands and stuff like that. There's like a Chinatown they have in uh, Waikiki, and they have a couple of different spots that are like these underground spots. And Hawaii is also just like the island of Oahu is like a tattoo mecca so that kind of culture is everywhere you know on that mm-hmm. island you know so it's like a big part of it in the background
0: all right that's interesting man because that's that's one place that i've kind of never like you know known of of having shows or anything we got to maybe reach out to hawaiian artists we got to look that up in the future um but we got uh we got you on the phone uh right now steve so <laughs> um uh you get out of the navy uh and you join Piron what 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 Year is it when you're finally through with your service there and you join Piron?
3: 2015 uh, July. I, I'm on my final leave. At the end, I got my paperwork, and all all my walking papers and shit. I, I left my old shitty car behind on the islands. Turned that in for sixty bucks and got gave him the lease. scot free, dude. Just like got out of there, got on the plane, went right back to Philly. I knew I was gonna be moving back to the area, and. um Moved to Ambler, Pennsylvania, which is like a small town kind of area west and north of Philadelphia. And it's basically right off the turnpike. Like there's an Ambler exit for off the turnpike going through the state. Uh, and I lived there for a couple years. I moved into a place uh, after unceremoniously crashing my parents' house for a couple
0: months ah.
3: <laughs> as it goes, you know. Um, and then I got my place and I started driving to New York City and just rehearsing with them.
0: All right man and so uh, the reason I was getting at what year is because 2017, what passes for survival is your first full-length recording with Piron, if I got it right, right? Correct. yep. And so I was gonna I was gonna say what um, part of the writing did you like did you take over uh, parts that had been written with uh, with Alex Cohen? I, I, I imagine who was the, the prior drummer, but with 2015 I guess you had a large part of the writing to do with that, right?
3: I had all the writing. Um, yeah. I started basically fresh. The first riffs that Dylan wrote for that album, I was doing stuff for. Um, I'd say actually the first year that I was in Piron for a long time, I was just learning uh, stuff from Growth Without Ends and more stuff from What Mother of Virtues, and you know, doing small hit and run tours. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't long after I joined that we started just writing for that thing. Because uh, you know, October two thousand fifteen, I think I played my first show with them, like New Year's Eve at Good Old Trans Picos. My uh, yeah, my uh, my my first maiden voyage with Piron At uh, I have, that's why I have a soft spot for Trans Picos. That was my first gig with them. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, for the year after that, we just started going and just started writing and just like a a, a fucking heinous rehearsal schedule man just going you know crazy and lots of touring too there was like a fair amount of touring that year in 2016 as well
0: yeah um and so, well here, here's another question uh you know you traveled all over with the navy uh you come home you join pier on and you guys like you said you're doing weekenders you're, you're traveling out and playing here and there um doing different tours and stuff uh what was it like traveling with the band um as opposed to traveling with the navy which you were kind of conditioned to
3: Ah, see, that's very perceptive. I like that. I like that question. <laughs> um, it's very, it, 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 you're a damn professional. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when you're deployed and you're in other countries and you, you know, you fly your plane out, you land your plane, you get off with your crew, you're rolling around. Uh, the first thing you and your crew do is you get in a big freaking sprinter or you get into a van, you throw your bags and your uniforms and shit in there and then you're headed to wherever you're staying. So I mean, so much of like the in-between hang time uh, is similar. The logistics are similar. The planning is similar. Um, you know, the the situational awareness—if you're depending on where you are or the condition of your vehicle—similar. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'd say my experience uh, prepared me well for for touring. I, I felt like. Uh, you know, it made sense, but it was obviously, you know, way more relaxed in a lot of ways, you know, where there wasn't any. I mean, I, I don't want to say no official time to be somewhere because we're pretty we're pretty on the clock with that shit. Like we'll go for the you know, we'll hang out in the parking lot early. If that's what it takes to get somewhere on time, you know. But-
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's there's um, loading times and curfews and things like that. But, um, yeah, that, well, that's that's what I was getting at, too, is you kind of just like conditioned in a certain way to, um, I guess you could say a much more rigorous standard uh than you know oh, sure. yeah than the underground metal scene yeah. so it must have been like i for you know I know for me personally the artificial brain guys will tell you I'm you know I'm no uh you know spring daisy out there on the road sometimes man especially the first few tours you know it was it was a period of uh, adaptation for me definitely I'm getting used to sleeping in the van and all that sort of thing you know but um
3: oh for sure man yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody has their bad days on the road. I've definitely yeah. had my share too. But I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. You have good days and bad days with that yeah, of that shit. Yeah, you just, you know, you start over the next day. You grab the wheel. It's like, get you know Let's we'll, we'll start over, motherfuckers. And <laughs> you put on like an insane record, real loud, and you go. You know,
0: insane. That subtle yeah. reference there. Yeah. Uh, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, what else? You gave me insane. We're talking about the road uh real quick out of nowhere give me like your top three tour records all right because it's been a while since anybody's been on a tour uh while we're reminiscing let's talk about tour music quick i like
2: this question yeah make it a habit yeah Yeah.
0: bam yeah you should this is a great
3: question and you should pull it out of nowhere also we're we're gonna have the air horn underneath Uh, that
0: when i when i drive don't worry
3: (laughs) yeah that won't kill people's ears that'd be awesome (laughs) (laughs) uh let me uh, let me let me phrase it like this because i got a couple of standout moments um when i got night drive and everybody else is asleep uh i throw on uh usually leviathan's massive conspiracy against all life uh Hmm. i like that as a nighttime record uh it kind of keeps you alert and it's just like i don't know it's just it's it's a it's a real creeper in the sound and stuff it's all sort of my you know all-time favorites yeah it's a, it's a um,
2: terrible thing to sleep to like that's nightmare fuel so you, you don't need no well, rumble strips with leviathan
3: well true but well, well, for people in puran that's just like you know it's like asmr so true yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look who you're talking about here. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know we've all heard that a million times uh uh another one i like uh when we we're out with succumb a couple of years ago we drove through a really bad sandstorm uh, and I put on "Enslaves Below the Lights" when it was my turn to rotate this jockey. I play, huh. I I play "Enslaves Below the Lights" basically every tour, and it's, that's actually one of my favorite records of all time as well. Okay, uh, hugely fond of that one. Um, and then also, I say, I mean, like I mentioned, the unsane before. I, I probably have to go with um, either like uh, either wreck like one of the newer ones which is really sick of the bloody hand on the front uh and i also really like the one where the has the guy jumping off the bridge and it has like the you know like the wall and like the blood on the bottom of the bridge i can't remember which uh which album it has like a bunch of one word titles like i like that album a lot that's really good all right Uh, i don't know man i got a bunch i got a bunch that i love gateway to annihilation always gets played you know. good,
0: good album, man. I see. I when I'm driving the guy. Oh my god! Anyone who's been on tour and God bless him, because I, when I get my turn to drive, I just punish people with like R and B music and <laughs> like New Edition, and it, it just gets silly. It's every once in a while I'll throw on like Cryptopsy or something like very predictable, and then back to back, yeah. back 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 to eighties, you know, uh, hip hop, you know, pop music and stuff, but. Um, but yeah, I could do, a, we'll do We'll do a whole bonus episode about Will's tour music one day. It'll get really silly up in here. Uh, but I'm glad you gave us a look into that. And you know, we talked. We did mention um, what passes for survival, the 2017 uh, on album. Was that? I mean, obviously that was your first time recording with on And I, I take it you haven't really been in a recording band or a band that that played live to much extent prior to that right because you were so busy with the navy
3: uh yeah i mean like I- i've been in a recording studio here and there uh in washington state when i was growing up I like i said uh, growing up going in the navy growing up in the navy anyway um I-, I had some guys that i played with local and i sat in and did some stuff but nothing really official nothing that made it anywhere um and before that i had my own experience like i basically had been working on trying to teach myself audio engineering for like a good like i'd say since like 2005 or so i've been like dabbling with uh with audio engineering so that's always been a thing with me but i've actually never gotten before colin marston's studio to you know bring my drums into like a nice place and go to thousand caves get all you know have him do all the amazing work he does and You know, and it was also you know that's an that's kind of a nerve wracking experience after stepping in after a guy like Alex Cohen who can do the stuff he can do. You know, you know, even though I play a different style than than he would, it's just it's a lot of uh, you know it's some big shoes to fill after those kinds of albums. You know, so it was uh, it was it was tense.
0: Yeah, well, I was gonna say you know bringing up Alex Cohen, um, who if if the listeners don't know, we should talk to him eventually one day too. He's a, a local drummer here in New York who's played for. Uh, I mean, you could look up his Metallum. He's played for every band. He's been in just about all of them. Yeah, it's mean, a so long Metallum, right? Yeah, Alex Cohen is yeah, a kind anytime. of a session drummer, drummer for hire, just a you know, drummer extraordinaire type of guy. But the thing about him, and I say this as kind of like an outsider uh, perspective to, to the band, watching him with Piran, and then when I saw you with Piran, um, it was like it, it, it felt like everything uh, clicked. And his, because his style is very meticulous, very planned out. Uh, he knows every hit he's gonna make. Um, you know, five, like he's he's five hits ahead of you in a way. You know, in, in a lot of ways, like he's so meticulous. Whereas you, uh, I think you're, there's a little bit more of a rawness to your style, style that complements like the nature of the songwriting with Dylan. With the kind of he has a kind of improvisation almost um, that that like that he leaves a margin for. Is that fair to say?
3: Absolutely, man. That's a huge element of our sound. And I picked up on it, listening to the albums for years and realizing like what was happening. Uh, and so I had to also prepare myself for that. Yeah, like
0: kind of the best that I, that I could, you know, which is why I like Alex Cohen. <clears throat> you know, I hear him in Pyrexia. I hear him. Um, and, and a lot of the other bands malignancy too yeah malignancy, malignancy yeah. you know which is like hearing Alex in malignancy is very interesting because that's very intricate planned out meticulous music uh, and not to say Piron isn't isn't nuanced but like your style of drums like I said it leaves more uh, more room for flow and fluctuation and kind of reading the the atmosphere in a way I guess. Um and it and I, I felt like it freed up the band live a little bit too to, to 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 embrace that. Do you think the band um started embracing the improvisational aspect, maybe even in terms of songwriting more when you joined?
3: You know, um I think that they were comfortable continuing it with me, which I'm thankful for. Uh I really wanted to continue doing that with them. Um but I think they were on that trajectory on mm-hmm. their own. Uh with the newer records and the stuff we're doing now, I mean, we embrace improvisation as being such a major piece of our, of of our toolbox, uh, that, I mean, it just feels natural at this point, but I mean, they were traveling in that direction to be, if you had anybody who hears, uh, the mother virtues and then, you know, um, growth without end. And then that last one they did with Alex after that, uh, I mean, like with all the improvisation that that was on that EP, uh, running out of skin, they were headed there already, um, and we so we we wrote parts with improvisation like that were like into we like we wrote a section into songs that just said, improvise doing these two three things and we're going to go from A to B, and however we get from A to B, those two points are certain, but everything in between is not. So does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. That that kind of clarifies because I was going to ask you how you write death metal with room for that type of improvisation. Yeah,
3: we, uh, we, when we're, it, it tends to happen when we are writing a song, we have structured parts in place on what passes for survival. We had areas that we carved out that we like, we would just like place spots and either Dylan would know beforehand or Eric would know beforehand that they wanted to try something improv in between to reach a certain energy. It's all about energy in Piron, like using that tool is to uh, achieve, like, a quick change in energy, whether it means going up or going down. Uh, and so it's not something you could really write exactly, like, to, to achieve that. you got to free yourself up a little bit. And so that's how we basically employed that on What Passes for Survival. We just went, like, all right, this is A, this is the beginning of where we improv, and then I'm going to do this signal. I'm going to do four snare hits. You're going to do, like, this signal with your guitar. Doug's going to do a vocal, whatever like whatever signal it was and as long as we all caught it we could hit and hit the next part you know cleanly
0: yeah, interesting man and i and i'll leave it there cuz i don't want to spoil any more of the mystery i don't want to unlock any more of the mystery there um because it's cause, <laughs> well it's it's a unique sound uh and you know we talk about um some, well something i want to clear up S- uh, seputus did i say that right
3: yeah, Seputis,
0: yeah. Seputis, uh, the other band that you're in with um, Piron members, Doug Moore and Eric Malav, who I believe we haven't brought up yet, your bass player from um, Piron and, and uh, also in Seputis. Uh, um, that band goes back pretty far. I, it credits you on Metallum as being in it from 2005.
3: Yeah, uh, so uh, before Doug, a lot of people don't like know this. This is like uh, this, we go you know, way back and... When I was learning audio engineering and picking up guitar and learning how to play, uh, as an exercise for myself, I set a goal and said, I want to write and record an album before, like, you know, just as soon as I can. And we ended up making an album that we, you know, self-released in 2006 and then basically pulled off after that because it was like, ah, you know. We're not like entirely happy with the production, or you know, like that kind of insecurity shit, you know, because we did it ourselves. But we did manage to put an album together back in 2006, uh, and I have a box of like 50 or 60 of those just sitting in the house, <laughs> <I've been> dragging <laughs> around. Since then.
0: I'll give you my mailing my uh, mailing address when we're when we're off the record. <laughs> all
3: right, I, I I got you, I got you, I got plenty. You can have them all. If
0: you want. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll sell them, no, I'll sell them on I'm the put- turnpike with oranges. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah 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 man oranges coconuts bananas you know anything <laughs> you can hide them um, yeah uh, and then 2016 like 10 years later uh, I ended up you know writing I, I took a huge long break because of deployments uh, I had tried writing another album around 2010 2011 something like that and it just didn't work out and I scrapped the entire thing and uh just stopped kind of playing for a while like playing guitar um, and then I turned around and like started up again and we Managed to get another album put together for 2016, and I wrote that while I was like in Hawaii, and that was "Man Does Not Give," which came out in 2016. I wrote that like on deployment, and like had my guitar in places of like recording guitar tracks in in Africa, you know, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> in the desert, uh, like in my little room, uh, or like uh, just in like my houses, like whatever house I was living in in Hawaii at the time. I was like writing, and recording. And sending stuff to Doug over the internet and putting, you know, programmed drums over it, basically, because that's all I could really get away with doing at the time.
0: That's interesting but, uh, yeah. because as we record this interview, it'll be a few weeks uh, old by the time people hear this. But one, just yesterday uh, or the day before, the song Phantom Indigo by Seputis was debuted by Willow Tip Records on social media and YouTube.
3: Uh huh, that's right.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's a pretty interesting trajectory for that project um to to now uh be kind of standing on um uh more steady footing like that uh and it is interesting it's it's uh you know from an objective kind of outsider st- standpoint you can kind of you can kind of tell there it's from the peeron camp so to speak mm-hmm. you know what i mean um but yeah, it, sure. it, it, it yeah. is a different... It's a totally different angle, uh, uh, kind of, too. It's very interesting, man. I, I it's, It seems that maybe a little bit more um, black metal, but also I picked up uh, uh, almost a grindcore sound to it when I listened to it.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Sepidus is, is like my kind of engineer's toolbox of, of, you know, kind of genre fuckery, if you will. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't really... I, I believe in using genre and subgenre and metal and like using the tools and the parts and the kind of things that are employed in genres and represent those in songs and in orders like do stuff with those parts like take grind parts with black metal atmosphere and put things together uh, like kind of the tonal stuff that you get from doom records like I, I feel like you could just take anything any like color or palette out of any genre or subgenre and do whatever you want with it you know that's like the point that's right like that's the whole point we're doing this music you know we're definitely not making like a t- like a shit ton of money or anything doing this you know so yeah uh
2: try to stand out while having fun that's that's what you do um the yeah. money the money that's is right. uh, far from guaranteed so go for it
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah go for it and like do whatever the fuck you want i mean and it's like that's the that's the banner mantra for puran and everybody and under you know under that banner man i mean like that's why we had this sort of symbiosis with uh doug running his main program which is weeping sores and then me running sepidus which is like my thing um so i do all the songwriting and stuff for that and i bring doug in and i show him the finished songs and i'm like hey what do you think you know like guitars drums like i give him some direction he he goes after it man and it sounds way different but i mean yeah i think i've as far as like it sounding from the pure camp, I mean, there's definitely no mistaking that. I mean, we probably have our own like a uh, sort of idiosyncratic way of approaching this kind of music, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I, I put it that way respectfully because it's it's obviously not a pure clone or something uh, you could you know that people might say like that. Oh but, yeah, but you know you can definitely like like you know it, there's there's certain scenes. Uh, certain, you know, certain clicks or whatever within genres of music. So, you know, I, I, it's like you know, you could recommend it for fans of that, and they probably could still, uh, uh, re, you know, they could read into it and get something out of it and identify with it in a similar fashion. Um, much like you could say for Weeping Sores, which you brought up, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that that also kind of takes off around the same time that you joined on right? Because the first release is in 2017, the self titled EP.
3: Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's actually – it came out a little bit before what Passive Survival did. Um, uh, and, yeah, I mean we we were kind of putting that together and Doug was going to keep that in-house as like his sort of guitar and songwriting exercise to basically get him to focus on learning and playing guitar more. I mean he would played guitar for years before that, but he was just trying to hone his craft. And, uh, you know, songwriting is a fantastic way to make yourself better at uh, playing guitar and getting better at what you do. Um, And he was just gonna like put together and self-release a thing. And I kinda just, you know, he asked me my opinion about it and asked me if I wanted to play drums. And then eventually I just got more and more involved and I ended up like producing the entire thing (laughs) and like uh, recording it and stuff too. So Um, yeah, I'd say, I I, I guess you could say I kind of helped him push it out the door, you know whereas before he might not have like came out with it necessarily.
0: Okay, and something that kind of helps set it apart in a way, um, the third member, uh, Gina uh, Hendrika, uh Heisen. Did I get that right?
3: I, I think so. I, I honestly just call her Gina because I don't like messing people's names up. I I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I see I'm it a as a challenge.
0: Year. All right. I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I try yeah, to get yeah. people's names right respectfully, but shout to Gina. She's the, she plays the violin in Weeping Sores, right?
3: Yeah, she does. She's fantastic.
0: So, I mean, again, not every death metal band has an in-house violin player. So where um, where does she – is she from the project – is she involved in the project from the top? Or, you know, does she kind of come in somewhere?
3: She – well, let's see. Uh, After Doug had already written the EP's material, uh, or some of the EP's material, uh, she kind of comes out of of the blue. Like, uh, they met at an MDF uh, years ago. Um, you know, I don't remember which year it was, but they made friends at MDF and they kind of kept in touch. And, um, yeah, one day, I mean, like Doug was just like, Hey, I know this, this, this lady, Gina, man. And she, she rips the violin really hard. I was thinking about bringing her in and I was like, dude, you should do that. Um, and you know, lo and behold, you know, she's like a full on, like, I would say a full on professional, man. Like she writes her own music on sheets. I mean, me and Doug are in their cavemanning manning huh. it out being like, "No, oh, that's, that's a triplet. It's an eighth, you know. We have no idea what we're talking about." But like um <laughs> you know, Gina comes in and she literally had, you know, fucking sheet music when she showed up and she was like making pencil marks. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, so she's legit, man. She's, that's that's intimidating. Writing, yeah. Intimidating, yeah. yeah.
0: Intimidating. But but it it makes for a very interesting sound. Uh highly recommended for the listeners. Um, and it set it sets it apart in the way that it's introduced uh, and and produced and mixed uh, in with the music. Um, I, you know, it does. It's not. Um, it doesn't kind of sound like this fusion jazz thing going on. It, it it makes sense and it and it fits the atmosphere and makes the atmosphere very much. So I I found that very interesting. And um, the latest release is 2019's "False Confession" on I Void Hanger Records, right? Correct. Uh, anything in the works?
3: Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're on quite a roll, man. I mean, we've been at an average putting out like an album a year or an EP a year from all our three projects since like 2016, basically. And That's I think how you we're going to continue with that for a while. Yeah, yeah man, you just rotate them and it's like, oh, now we throw the next thing in. So, um, yeah, Doug has got some songs written and uh, he's got some bass parts written for those songs as well. He's putting together his compositions and here pretty soon, I think we'll be working on that as well
0: okay awesome man. okay uh, and and yeah and obviously like you say you've been keeping busy um, because I'm, I'm kind of just bouncing back and forth here between your bands but chronologically uh, we talk about 2019's false confession by weeping sores uh, which is what I what I, what I was referencing I'm recommending that to the listeners uh, to hear the use of violin especially um, but then that bounces right into 2020 with the release of abscess time by Piron right? Correct. So, t- tell us about that a little bit, because at the t- at, when you're writing Abscess Time, I assume you're like, now you're settled into Piran. You've toured a little bit. You've, uh, you know, you've had an album out. What's different um, in in your eyes, in your perspective, uh, your recollection about the writing process for Abscess Time as opposed to what passes for Survival?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say right off the bat. Uh, the biggest difference was the physicality. Um, what passes for survival? I came in with like my nervous energy and just like swinging away, Merrill, you know, just hitting those fucking drums and playing as fast as I could. And that's where we went with it. We didn't do as much improv. We did, you know, we had some improv parts and some stuff like that. Um, but abscess time, uh, was we wanted to really stretch out and incorporate lots of different ideas uh kind of corrupt other genres and bring them into under our umbrella um kind of figure out what kind of like strange stuff we could get away with and we definitely wanted to do like full improv uh in the studio which we did do uh for this album we did uh three tracks that were completely improvised and we recorded those uh with colin we did it, you know we did the whole thing with colin again he's like the only guy in the universe for us man so we just did that but um yeah man that was the main i would say like we just we we had a measured change in like the sort of frantic speed and energy and the physicality and like dialing the grind up to like a hundred with the last album and then i think with abscess time we were just like trying to take a more measured approach Mm -hmm. and think more about like uh traversing the different stuff and building like a more kind of complete image uh sonic image i guess if you want to put it like that um yeah
0: that makes sense, having uh, reviewed the material for, for the interview recently. Um, and it's it really sounds like, it's like I said, you know, I've been exposed to Pierron a long time because Artificial Brain, we've played a lot of shows together uh, prior to your joining and after you joined. So it's kind of, I always felt like I had this perspective on Pierron through the years. And to reflect back on it, Abscess Time does sound overall, um, uh, you know, you know, in the bigger in the bigger uh, perspective, in the bigger context, not just with you, Steve, but it just seems like a culmination of peer on on a lot of levels, I guess, um, fi- maybe finally using that improvisation to, to such a degree, uh, you know, and that sort yeah, of thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I, I uh, that's 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 a that's a good view on it, man. I, I think a lot of people would agree. And I, I agree as well. Um, you know, it's There's something to be said for using like high frantic energy and just like just being so overwhelming and and, like so like loud noise punk rock to just like make compositions happen. But, you know, when you have like an overall sounding career and I'm, you know, now I'm more comfortable with the band because I got that those jitters out, you know, after doing that, (laughs) that insane album with them as my first album. Uh, we feel like we could really open it up and take our, our kind of measure our full experience and, and not actively, it wasn't like a thing where we were like, you know, let's write a mother of virtues part or, you know, obviously we weren't doing stuff like that, but like, um, we, we just felt like we had so much in our toolbox at the time that we could really like just pick and choose what we wanted. And when we did want to dial up the speed and intensity, it, it was like, it could be utilized more effectively, uh you know, bringing it in parts after something like we are like, let's say like we'll, we'll be going through the cost of living like track seven and it'll be slow and it'll build and build and build, get quiet build. And then it erupts at the end. And that's just a matter of like, that's kind of that code switching that we like to do in the band that like, it's like, all right, we really want to hit this grind part, this death metal part really hard. We got to use them a little more sparingly, you know, sparingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's just like it's just like exploring the, the tools. I mean, for all I know, the next album we end up doing is gonna be like all two twenty, so I don't know. <laughs> it's,
0: gonna, it's gonna be a gore grind album. We all know it. So
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow one of Paulo's snares. to so
0: yeah. <laughs> we're we're, yeah, ping up ping episode three coming soon. Um Well I you know it this this is actually a really good segue, I should say, um, allegedly. Man. But we do have uh, several Patreon pledge questions uh for you. And one of them is right. like is like right on on the topic of what we're talking about now. Uh, shout out to Gerald Chow from uh, over there in the United Kingdom, longtime supporter. Shout out to him. Uh, and he he goes, I think Piron's latest album is Class. The blend of noise rock and improv with death metal really lends itself to an organic live sound. Was this a conscious approach? As in, did someone say, "I want to go in this direction," and you all work together to achieve this, or did it happen organically? Each instrument carries their own voice. How much control do you have over your own parts, or do you sometimes dictate, say, do a blast beat here, or someone do tremolo picking there? And lastly, why is there not more slams in abscess time?
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Gerald. Appreciate that. It's Gerald Chow, right?
0: Yeah, I believe that's how the last name is pronounced. I apologize if I got yeah, it wrong. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, I reckon I, yeah, he's a he's a ripper. I think I've seen him cover some of your guys' songs. So shout out to him, man.
0: Yeah, good, um, good dude. Always out there on social media.
3: Dude, big time, man. Uh, yeah, so let me try and address a couple of these questions at a row. So I'd say first off, um, we did approach it organically, like I was saying before. Uh, the only thing we knew we were going to change is like kind of the stuff we didn't want to do, and what we didn't want to do is be overly you know, overtly physical and. Just be sort of like pushing that that uh, that tool, you know, to be like the top thing anymore. Like we did with the, what passes for Survival. Um, we probably. I mean, can you can you uh, repeat like like kind of break down the questions he asked? He asked yeah, a lot of
0: questions. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was there was a lot to it, and you kind of already touched on it. So I would just say. Um, was it a conscientious approach to go the the noise rock and improv blended with death metal direction? I feel like you addressed that um, for the most part. Um, yeah, with, with, you um, know, it was it well, the was more of a noise rock
3: thing. We, we did, we definitely did noise rock on purpose. We talked more about like uh, we, we love Swans' filth, and we love like um, you know we like some of the Mets stuff, and we we like uh, child abuse, and we love. I mean, tons of noise rock stuff, man. I mean, we're huge fans of that, and so we did. Yes, I would say it was more conscious to bring more of that stuff in. I remember having those conversations actually on occasion.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what was the next thing he asked? Um, well, because I, I now I have my own question, I want to piggyback off of, but. Um, each instrument carries their own voice. How much control do you have over your own parts, or do you sometimes dictate, you know, to, to do a blast beat here or the guitar should go like this or, or something like that? And I guess what I would say is before you said that Weeping Source is kind of Doug's thing and um, Seputus is kind of your thing, is Piran any one member's kind of, you know, their leading thing?
3: Uh, I will say that even though it's a full democracy in Piran, uh you wouldn't have Piran without Dylan DeLella. Uh, I, I think if you took one member out, that would be the most detrimental to Pureon. It would be Dylan, like hundred uh, percent. Even for as unique as everyone's playing is, uh, I mean, he's he's the man, uh, and nobody plays like him. And I don't know if you've looked on YouTube, but if you look around on YouTube and you can see a lot of guitar covers of different bands, I I defy you <laughs> to find uh, a, a cover of Dylan Delellis playing. It's just that not, it's not there.
0: That not there. is a good point. That's that should be an internet challenge.
3: It should be. I would love to see someone else tackle his songs. Uh I know he would too. So if you're out there listening, I I I fucking dare you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right, man. So all right, but but yeah, but back to um, but yeah, but back to Gerald's question. I feel it's like I said. I feel you already addressed it a little bit. Um, but that's interesting though because with the interplay between improvisation and traditional, I guess you could say writing. Um, how much does each member dictate other members' parts, you know, in terms of, you know, do do we want the drums to do this, we want the guitar to do this?
3: Um, So there's a couple tiers to that. The first tier is who wrote the song. Uh, We all write on Puron, and we all write on guitar. Uh, I wrote, uh, for example, I wrote Down at Liberty Ashes on guitar. Um, You know, Eric where we've all written, like, songs on on the albums. And so the person who writes the songs will dictate sort of the most upfront structuring. Now, after that gets assigned and people figure out what they're doing, uh, they are free to do on their instrument what they want. Uh, And we trust each other in our band to make the right decisions. And uh, we never... I've never had an example where we had to be like, dude, you can't play that. Like, we've always, like... Just it, it's like the dynamic is such that like we keep driving the parts and directions until like if we're laughing, we're keeping that. You know what huh. I mean? Yeah. You've, you've probably experienced this too, like where you've seen you know Oleg or or Dan or somebody play some shit and you started laughing and you're like, all right, we're keeping that.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, it caused the chemical like, reaction in your brain. You know, it must be good um yeah it
3: has to be even if it seems ridiculous if it made you laugh and it was like that it was the shit and if it was totally off book it's like we're, we're using that
1: you know <laughs> what i mean and that's
3: that's a big rule uh, you have to have some tangible you know thing like that that's like the top tier if this happens okay like i mean that's as far as that's my opinion and this is you know in my opinion but uh, i think everybody else would probably agree um uh, But yeah, I mean, like we all dictate our own parts. We make suggestions to each other, like a big thing that actually, so another new thing we did more with Abscess Time uh, is me and Eric talked a lot more about rhythm section interplay. Uh, I actually talked to him a lot about like if there were certain parts and songs, I'd be like, hey, dude, I want to play this drum part. I want to change this and this. Hit those accents with me with like a higher note or a lower note. So we'll talk to each other about stuff like that, but like it's never anything specific. Like play seven fret, eight fret, huh. ten, like nothing like that.
0: Okay, and I I just want to acknowledge uh, Patreon pledge Clemens Maik, who um, uh, had a very similar question. I feel you've already addressed uh, about the impro- improvisation in the songs, whether there's composed bits that lead into an open section and so on. And I feel like you, you've you've uh, you've explained that pretty thoroughly. Uh, it just seems like the role that improvisation plays in the songwriting is very a very popular question. Um, but to, to kind of shift into a different topic, uh, unless you had any more thoughts on, on the improvisation, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'll say one more thing about that. Um, you know, as far as like the parts that sound like it just drops into improv out of nowhere, it's, pr- it's, it's pretty like that we're, we're, we're kind of aiming for that and like what i said before about like reaching a certain energy and then letting it go uh we talked a little bit more about that if you want to find old uh our interview with hank steamer a couple years ago our, old friend of the podcast i'm sure yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to hank. we talked about mm-hmm. that yes, yeah yeah shout out to hank man uh heavy metal bebop we talked about improv and energy and stuff you can hear it right from the horse's mouth from dylan Delella. but uh um on abscess time that stuff that we did in the studio that that was completely improvised we really didn't write a note of that stuff I think maybe only only one of those tracks Dylan had like one riff that he knew he was starting the song with and then the rest was just completely improvised with nothing else you know nothing else you know uh, we did like a couple takes of it where we just went like to one two three all right like which one of these is awesome like well we love that one let's keep that one you know I mean and that was it
0: okay. Um, all right, so so that's a, that's a good uh, peek into the improvisational nature of some of the songwriting. And also you can go back and check out, of course, friend of the podcast, Hank Steamer's, um, his own podcast, Heavy Metal Bebop's episode with Dylan DeLella from uh, uh, Pierron. Um, uh, like you said, so sh- yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to Hank and uh, Dylan. And here's uh, an interesting question. Um, Adam Moore, shout out to Adam. Piron are known for being a frantic, confrontational, and challenging band. Do you ever feel pressured to rein in your sound in order to write a more traditional single and to appeal to a broader audience, or conversely, do you ever feel compelled to go even more ape shit and write material that is completely impenetra- pen- impenetrable? Imp- Tom, say that word for me. Impenetrable, even to the most die-hard <laughs> fans of dissonant, deranged music.
3: <laughs> you got through it, like that's uh, what a champ, man! <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's, that's why. That's yeah, why you need a good uh, engineer yeah (laughs) well thanks Um, i
2: need that every now and then
3: yeah yeah man you need the guy dude i'm telling you um i'd say it's more the latter uh than the former we definitely i'm sure anybody who listens to us for like three seconds can be like yeah these dudes are gonna go back to traditional man they're just not doing that (laughs) like uh um we're just not interested in that really uh we We do occasionally – I mean, it's usually as a joke is the kind of thing because what it comes down to is like we just do whatever we want. And as long as the four of us are A, happy with it or B, using it to kind of – I guess I like to write parts that impress the other guys. That make them go, oh, fuck yeah, man. Like, yeah, that's what I want. Like, that's that's crazy, you know. We we like shit like that and that's the aim. And if we come up with something that sounds like completely impenetrable, I mean, honestly, we usually – keep it like <laughs> yeah. you already are hearing what we're doing you know what i mean that's kind of like what it is so
0: uh, so no state yeah, I mean, no uh no stadium rock uh mellow death single coming soon i mean it's not
3: <laughs> unless we we get out to uh you know like the czech republic or something i mean if you're a grind band and you go to czech republic that shit sounds like that's like grind stadium right
2: yeah like, that's yeah, like
0: that's, that's that version yeah, yeah. stadium grind all right, so so we'll we'll keep ha- we'll keep holding on for the Piran version of Heartwork, uh, with, with the more the, the, <laughs> the hook driven Piran album. <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh uh, yes, yeah, sh- uh, shout out to Adam Moore, another Patreon question from Panic Chords. Um, and get this is cool because this gets back to the the touring element. Best method to preload before a show. Uh, and there's a few more questions, but we'll go with that one
3: best method to preload a show Uh, I'm assuming he means I'll speak from a drumming standpoint Uh, best method to preload a show is to bring all your fucking drums in and set them up as much as possible into individual carryable pieces, claim an area but don't like Don't leave your shit out, like, spread out with all your shit, like, set up exactly like you're going to have it on stage because you're spilling into other areas. You know what I mean? Oh, my
0: God. When they do that in a tiny club, oh, my God. So why is your rack set up? Yeah.
3: Well, dude, like, stick all your shit in a corner. Like, you know where everything goes. Just put the stuff on. Put the tops on. And then when it comes time, have you and all your bandmates and your fucking, you know, guitarist, singer, have them just man up and everybody carry all your drums on first and just do the drums and get them out of the way. Then you're out of the way and everybody else can get their shit done. The drummer can come down, pick your shit up, and help you get your amps on stage. Just do it like that, man. Just do that order. It's the best order.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, man. And you're right, though, because making that point about you don't want to take up, like, especially in a small bar or venue or nightclub, like, all the room with your whole drum set up, man. It's it's uh, so many people do it. Uh, you, you fucking drummers. No. um...
3: Yeah, no, I I know, I know, man. Yeah, (laughs) I try not to be that guy, you know. And uh, every once in a while, we got a really tiny place, and uh, what you have to do is then you just you just like have to stack, dude. Like you just like have to jam everything together. Try and put as much stuff on stands as possible. If you got stands for toms, legs for shit, and just kind of like try to put stuff below and above each other to take mm -hmm. the most like like the least amount of width, like the room width. Yeah. Leave that shit in there for
0: people. People trying to, like, squeeze past your shit to go to the bathroom, man. I, I kind of miss touring uh, the more we talk about it.
2: Dude, it makes me think of St. Vitus. Yeah. Like, like yeah. that place, Saint you know. St. Vitus, As yeah. much as I love that place, I feel bad for every drummer that walks in there. Yeah. Especially the pack uh, you shows. Know, though,
3: I, I love St. Vitus because I always set up right next to where Frank is hanging out, his little spot. And I'm like one of the guys that when I walk in, I say hi to Frank. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And he doesn't mind me putting my shit, like, near his shit because he knows I'm not going to mess it up. Yeah. um and yeah it's it's you, you get a symbiosis man you figure it out you know but just don't like don't don't spread the width and don't block the fucking bathroom you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's my rules for dating uh weirdly enough um no I, no 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 all right allegedly. allegedly allegedly another all right another another question from panic Chords. uh your favorite rudiment uh yeah yeah, we're gonna get real uh, technical here
3: (laughs) yeah so i mean dude probably nine stroke roll whatever i i i I don't fucking practice for immense man like honestly yeah uh i play singles and doubles and i play some paradiddles and i just use the basic tools and i just whatever i think of i just try to make my body do it and we I, i just do it you know what i mean
0: like yeah See, again, this what? is why I want to hear you uh, – dude a shout to Alex. This is why I want to hear you and Pierron and Alex and Malignancy. There's just yeah. certain things that <laughs> – I want my orange juice with my breakfast and I, and I want my beer with my pizza. You know, there's just certain things that – come on. It's the yeah. natural order of death metal, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, nothing wrong with that. It yeah. already
3: belongs somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, here's – here's a. I don't know if you – maybe you're familiar – Airlines are going to be selling flights cheap as when C nineteen. I'm, I'm word for word gets under control. Ever envisage getting uh, one of your bands down to and Enst, Straya and Enzed? S t r a y a and e n z e d. I guess those are fests somewhere. M- maybe I'm S- a little lost. You, right do, now. Well, this is a question for you, Steve. Do you know what those are?
3: <laughs> Straya Fest. Um, sounds like it's. It looks like it's in Melbourne. Uh, oh. and I mean, with that being said, uh, if this is correct, as I see it, it says, uh, Strayfest is in Melbourne. I would love to go to Australia and play some shows. Um, I can tell you right now, if we do go to Australia, we're going to hit our buddy, our buddy up, uh, Brendan Sloan from uh, convulsing and he's going to be our fucking guy. Um, oh, yeah. when we get down there. So at least we have a POC, um, I hope someday, man, that would be the shit. Well, what was the other one? I didn't even understand what you were saying.
0: That was that was. It's just written
1: in bogan. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> there was a
0: there was a lot there. I think it was just about if you if you plan on maybe going to Australia, <laughs> if we got that right. Um, but the final question, Panic Panicords, uh, asks, uh, "What's the best band tee you own?"
3: uh man, uh, actually, my favorite right now that I love uh, wearing is uh, I honestly, I love, I have a turns t-shirt. They have, uh, they have like this like kind of gold lettering and it's like, I just love the symmetrical design of it. Uh, Yeah, I think they have a sickest shirt. And then a close second is Cognizance, one of Cognizance shirts. They're pretty sick.
0: All right. Yeah, the shirt game is getting out of hand during COVID because it's like the only avenue a lot of bands have to to make money. So like the merch Mm -hmm. game and the t-shirt game is going wild right now.
3: Dude, big time, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I, I, have so many at this point. I, mean, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir of the shit, but I mean, like, I have, like, 30, 40 shirts or something now. Hi. And, like, after yeah. them, are, it's, like, taking up, like, one-third of my bureau, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even buying any shirts anymore right now. I mean, I buy them from, like, friends' bands or when people send the shit to me. I'm like, okay, you know, weird.
0: It's got to be good. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Um, it's got to be good. And I don't, okay, winding down the Patreon questions. Uh, we just have um, shout out to longtime supporter Kent Mulcahy. Um, uh, number one, I love the artwork for Phantom Indigo. Disturbing, but not your typical metal album cover. I'd be interested to hear about the process of landing on that cover and the rest of the layout.
3: Excellent. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, so anybody who knows our work knows that. Most of our projects, Sweeping Soar, Sepitus, and Curon, are art extraordinaire is Caroline Harrison. Uh, she's, I, in my opinion, one of the best artists doing metal stuff in the country, and maybe worldwide, honestly, right now. Uh, but because she's our favorite, and like we overload her with work sometimes, and I thought maybe it's okay... I, I have other artist friends, I, I need to look around and I need to look at other people's work. And the other work that caught my eye was Alex ekman Lawn, uh, who done a ton of work for Relapse's layout stuff, a lot of other art. Uh, he's, you know, people know his artwork from like Maruta and some of the, the older bands. Uh, he's done, you know, metal art for so long. And I love his personal art style, that's not like, he does a lot of stuff with like cracks and fissures and splitting. And like opening holes within like, uh, some kind of framed backgrounds. Uh, and because of my subject matter and the kind of things I was talking about with the record and some of the stuff that Doug landed on for lyrics, I thought that Alex would be the guy and he was the guy. I mean, we, he, he actually lives like four blocks away from me in Philadelphia too. So that doesn't hurt. Um, he came up with a few concepts, uh, main cover, like cover art concepts, um, and we picked the first one he showed me because it was just like he like physically manifested like the words Phantom and Indigo. Like it looks like some shit out of like uh, you ever see Annihilation? Like that movie Annihilation?
0: I, I'm not familiar. Yeah, that newer
1: one that came out with the uh, with like the 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 dome, the, the weird alien uh, kind of dome thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah so Natalie that's, that's Portman.
1: Natalie Portman. Yes. Right.
2: Oh yeah, I did watch that one. Yeah. That was fun. Cool yeah. dance sequence at the end. Yeah. Strange. great colors oh,
1: oh it was like the combination of uh the, yeah different uh, life forms kind of combined y- yeah sense. it was
2: it's not an actual dance sequence but uh interesting choreography of acting if you would but uh anyway not to right. go on too
0: much of a tangent it's that-
1: a, a good film Natalie Portman is Damn from girl.
0: from Long Island. Yes, she is. As am I. Oh, she is. Uh, yeah, she is. Yeah, uh, long time. Uh, oh, no she had to work to get that accent uh, removed. I was saying, I just, just watched Heat yeah. the other day. Yeah, it's young yeah. Natalie Portman's in Heat. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still working on getting rid of the old accent. We'll see how I do in Hollywood over there. But um, <laughs> Natalie, hit us up. Yeah. Uh, Getting, getting back. Natty Ice. Yeah, yeah, Natty Ice. That would be her. If she stayed on the, on the island, that would be that her name now. Name. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sweet
3: They're, name. That's worth coming back for,
0: man. Just, yeah. On Long Island, for every Natalie Portman, there's 10 Natty Ices. <laughs> Whoa. Shout out to Mastic Shirley. Oh, you mean Natalie Ice? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All right. Listen. Back to Philly. Um, off Long yeah. Island. This is not a Long Island episode. It's a Philly episode. So, uh. And shout to Brooklyn. You guys kind of uh, span your time between Philly and, and Brooklyn, I know. Um, but, the, well, Ken Mulcahy's second question, I feel like you've addressed, but maybe this will be a good place for you to give, like, any final thoughts on the, on the concept. Do you and Doug consider Seputis and Weeping Sores kind of each other's solo projects in a way? I know there are obviously other members contributing things, but do you and Doug have the final say in your respective projects outside of on or are they still total collaborations?
1: Uh, we have
3: final say in our own projects. Uh, I have final say in Seputus, he does in weeping sores cause we, we compose the, the primary, uh, structures and you know, the, the song orders and the titles and all that kind of shit. Uh, when people come in with their own instruments, again, it's kind of similar to peer on rules where if you come in with your instrument, um, you know, for example, in Seputus, I don't tell Doug how to write lyrics. Uh, That would be a fruitless endeavor anyway. He would not fucking do that shit. Uh, uh, I let him do what he does best. Uh, He is a fantastic lyricist and a vocalist. At the same time, uh, you know, he gives me drum like ideas and things he was thinking of, and then I take those and I I will either evolve them or change them. And I'll you know I have pretty good reasoning a lot of the time for why I will change things, and he respects that as well um so yeah there is there is mutual respect and mutual um evolution of each other's parts but we have final say yes in our primary projects
0: okay um uh excellent and uh thanks for summing that up for uh kent mulcahy and shout out to him and all of our patreon pledges who asked questions um we appreciate them chiming in and participating uh gives me a little bit of break on the research sometimes um but uh yeah uh uh, steve um thank you very much for discussing all that and just touching back um we talked about uh seputus people can check out the phantom indigo single which was just released a day ago uh there's also the learned response uh single which came out a few weeks ago i imagine by the time this interview's out there'll probably be a little bit more by seputus uh uh, what's the new album going to be called can you tell us that
3: yeah, it's called uh, Phantom Indigo. So that the that single right. that just came out, A- April fifth. That is uh, that's the self-titled. That's the closing track. Uh, there's six out uh, six songs, forty-seven minutes, uh, almost forty-eight minutes. Uh, yeah, and it's on Willitip it Records, uh,
0: that, and it'll be out June fourth. That's that's right. You just went into the whole story about why it's called Phantom Indigo. Uh, indigo is also a strain of marijuana that's legal to smoke in New York nowadays. I don't know if you realize that. So that's that. Maybe I, I, I asked this question. Allegedly, why? you hey, congratulations! I, but anyway, congratulations. Anyway, anyway, just so the listeners, just so the, listen, the listeners are like, oh, I caught Will. He he he, did, he said he didn't know that. But anyway, um, so uh, so Phantom Indigo, the new album on Willow Tip Records, correct?
1: Correct.
0: By Seputis, uh, members of Piron, Weeping Sores, you explained to us that there is material kind of in the works, behind the scenes, uh, and of course that 2019 album False Confession on iVoidhanger Records is out there. Uh, very recommended, especially for the, um, the the combination of violin and death metal uh, in a very organic fashion. I recommend it. Um, and with on 2020 we saw Abscess Time, which you talked about, but um, the the final thing I'll ask you: What's going on in the Pieron camp uh, during during these crazy times we're in right now?
3: Man, uh, not much, honestly. Uh, not for the last year. After we put the album out, you know, we walked out of Marston Studio uh, with this whole mess on the horizon. You know, not even seeing it coming. And then, you know, a couple months later, we're we're in the shit. You know, deep in the shit. Uh, we rehearsed, I think, once in October. Here's the logistical problem is that because I live in Philadelphia and the other three guys live in New York City, uh, it's it's tough to get together to come up and get – we had to set a time like on Wednesdays or Thursdays to set up practice. Yeah. But because New York City was also such a high infection zone, it was like we just said to each other like, look, you know, maybe right now is the time to take a break from the band for a bit and let this shit cool off and let everybody get vaccinated and – all that kind of stuff, you know, like everybody do what they will. Let let this mess just cool off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, uh, but so, so pretty soon, I, I think here, uh, in a few weeks or a month or so, we're going to be getting back on it. And I don't know, man. I mean, with everything said and done, we might just start writing again, <laughs> you know, like after a year, mm-hmm. just like chalk that up to like, all right, well, we lost that year. It's, it is what it is, you know, and maybe even start writing again. So I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. T- I hear you too, man. When you spread out like that, it's very tough with, with COVID because there's travel ban. There was, you know, for a time you had to quarantine if you were going in and out of state. There was regulations with people's jobs if you were traveling in and out of state. It was messed up. My my own band, Reeking Aura, that we had started, we got two guys in Long Island, three guys in New Jersey, and one guy out in Pennsylvania. Uh, so that, and, and we, and we finished recording it just when everything was starting to like lock down and we, and we had to get it mixed and mastered while we couldn't even go to the studio. So that kind of put the whole kibosh on the whole thing, man. I, I, I get it. The traveling in and out of state for a band thing was a lot easier before all this.
3: Yeah, man. You know, and I had, uh, you know, Phantom Indigo got mastered by Colin Marston. It was the same thing. We just talked on the phone yeah. when he was doing it. Cause I, after I finished mixing and producing it and stuff and I knew I was done with it. I sent him everything and we just talked on the phone or through email to make sure that we were both happy with what we were doing. And that was, it's definitely weird, but like luckily, you know, we had a pre existing, uh, you know, relationship and everything and a friendship. And so it was easy to do all that. I'm sure that made it, you know, probably not as painful for you guys too, you know, because you guys did. Ricky Orr did the, the thing with, with Colin as well, right?
0: Yeah, we uh, luckily we, we basically finished tracking it like just when, when we could have. And then we, uh, yeah, mixing and mastering was just all done through, um, you know, uh, talking to him from uh, a distance, uh, social media and, and uh, phones and all that sort of thing. But if there's anybody's capable hands, you're going to leave it in. It's Colin Marston. Uh, we know that oh, very well yeah, on, on the podcast. Not a lot of notes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so um, yeah, not a lot of notes, just like my upcoming Noisecore project. Uh, so, so uh, Steve Schwegler uh, of Piron, Seputus uh, and um, uh, Weeping Sores, thank you very much uh, for this discussion, for giving us a little insight into your bands and your history um i believe that i've given you an opportunity to plug anything coming up if not please do so now and also just any um final words for the show for listeners of your music and listeners of our show well Oof, what, are i would that car crash over there are you are you all right <laughs> you're right. right don't crash your car for the interview bro i live no, no, for anybody no, no. crashing in front of my house yeah <laughs> whoa uh
3: yeah so i i'd say um you yeah, know we uh Phantom Indigo is coming out June 4th uh, on Tip Records. It's going to be, it's got some, we got some sick vinyl, really, really great artwork and layout by Alex ekman Lawn, a fantastic job by Joe Smiley and Colin uh, Marston for their engineering stuff. I got some fantastic guitar soloists on this album. I got Evan Void. I've got Dan Gargiulo. I've got Dylan Delella. I got Pete Lloyd all doing some really sick guitar solos on this, on this thing, man. And they really ripped it. And uh, Doug and Eric did some of their best work, man. I mean, it's like I got to shout everybody out because they all really did an amazing thing. And it took me five years to finish this this fucking thing. So wow. <laughs> I'm just glad it's done. Please, please listen to it and buy it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Highly recommended as are um, Weeping Sores and Pierron, Uh But the, yeah, that Ceputus, uh Phantom Indigo out out in June. Uh, and, of course, you can check out the uh, now, at this point, two songs that have been released. Uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled, see if there's anything else coming out, man. And that's going to be on Willow Tip Records. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, Steve, uh, like I said, just any final words for uh, listeners of your music and fans of the show?
3: <sighs> just keep your fucking head up, man. I know it's been shitty the last year, year and a half, but just you know, we're almost out of this shit. You know what I mean? So just Hell yeah. ha- hang in there, where the wear the... Wear the mask for a little while longer, and we're going to get the shows and shit back. And then I'll see you all out there, man. And then uh, you can uh, keep from blocking the damn bathroom with your drums and your amps and all that shit when we get back to the,
0: the <laughs> venue. <laughs> Hell yeah, Steve. I, I hope to uh, uh, sweatily help you uh, load out some cymbals or something like that one day uh, sooner than later, man. Um, it was great. But it was in the meantime, it was great to be able to speak to you tonight. Um, a shout out to all your bandmates again. That's Piron, Weeping Sores, and Sepultus. Uh, thank you for your time and go Navy.
3: Oh, thank you, sir. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Tom, Justin.
0: Yeah, Take
1: thanks, care. dude. Later, brother. <laughs>
0: So, uh, Steve, before before we let's uh, well, we're gonna just be uh, we're gonna we're be, just gonna yeah. be
2: honest about this.
0: Yeah. We, All right, Steve, we got off the phone with you. We wrapped everything up. Uh, I allegedly went outside and did something that's completely legal in New York now. Oh, and uh, we wrapped up the conversation without asking you to recommend one old and one new release to the listeners. First time we ever did it.
2: That'll be sacrilegious. Never did it. Uh, Never I did forgot. that before.
0: Yeah. Not a personal. Um, not my personal opinion or my personal uh, comment on Steve Schwegler's taste in music. Nothing like that. Get the rumors out of here. Let's clear the air. Um, yes, yeah, I, I we got to clear the air either way because it's very vaporous in here. Uh, Steve, <laughs> I'm sorry that my brain cells are an endangered species. But what are your old and new recommendations for the listeners?
3: Okay. All right. So here's my old release recommendation anada under a stone with no inscription mm. gotta hit that man everybody has heard gateway to annihilation they've heard Pierce from within they heard covenant they heard all the good shit they heard slowly we rot this is your new tech death classic mm. you gotta hear fucking anada's under a stone with no inscription it's like okay, one of the best band. quote unquote bands yeah, yeah. and uh Death releases ever back in 2004, man. I, I spin that all the time still, and I spun it back then as well. That shit is the shit. Um, and I'm going to quickly shout out also Killing Joke's Extremities, because that's like my wow. non-metal shit. That was my old non-metal shit that I was listening to as well.
0: Great band from the 80s, Killing Joke. Wow.
3: Yeah, I just got into them in the last, believe it or not,
0: just in the last like six
3: months, seven months, I started getting into them, because that doc came out Uh, there's like a Killing uh, killing Joke uh, documentary and that shit's like three hours long and I watched all of it
0: (laughs) I'm not familiar with that I'm very interested to check that out now good band really interesting band heavy with like heavy but not really metal or hard just a heavy band
3: yeah it's badass man definitely Extremities that's the one that I always read like their other shit's good you know but I love Extremities it's like the best
0: Awesome, man! All right, so there you have it: uh, Anata and Killing Joke from Steve Schwagler. We got him back on the line. Hell yeah! Uh, he, he didn't go out and get one of those Philly cheesesteaks or nothing like that. Um, uh, uh, Big Will forgot, um, but we, we smoothed it all out. We got you your recommendations uh, from Steve Schwagler of Pieron, Seputus, and uh, Weeping Source. Steve, thank you so much. Um, now, now we're really going to end the interview, and we're going to and we're going to cut to the music and do all the professional stuff. Okay.
3: Right on. Sick.
0: All right, brother. We'll be in touch with you, man. Love you, man. Have a great night.
3: Take care, man. See you guys.
0: All right, that was our interview with Steve Schwegler, uh, plus the part where we forgot something and then called him back and got it anyway, and Anada, and Killing Joke. It's all beautiful music. Shout to Steve. We appreciate his time and his little extra bonus time for us this evening. Um, and be sure to check out uh, the latest releases by Pierron, Sepitus, and Weeping Sores. That Sepitus out June 4th, like he said. Uh, Phantom Indigo is the album on Willow Tibb Records. Uh, so shout out to Steve. Great to speak to him tonight. Um, a guy, him and his bandmates have been uh, friends of mine and kind of associate, associates through the music scene for years, so good to catch up. Uh, glad that we got those Patreon questions. Thank you to our Patreon pledges who participated in this interview. You can, too. You go to com and check out all the links and whatever else. And there's a one for Patreon, and you go to the IG link, and you go get on IG. There's IGTV. You see Will's closet full of tapes. And maybe you want to go to Facebook. Maybe you want to click on on the maybe there's a link for for dangerous thing. You, you like you like music? We got music too. You got, we'll, Burr.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we got all of it.
0: Yeah, Birdman is in that. <laughs> all right, uh, you know, seriously though, shout to shout to uh, Steve Swagler of all his Projects, man. And um, I'm glad that we did remember and we, we were able to hook up with him post interview to get those vital recommendations. We don't always forget that. Just uh, we uh, for we
2: transparency, uh, four hours went by.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, I yeah. went home and took a bath, and it was during the bath I was, I was scrubbing my chest with Irish Spring, and I remembered the recommendations.
2: Right, and it just shows our commitment to recommendations in general.
0: Yeah, and my commitment to my my, ch- I've wait, I have a lot of body hair. <laughs> All right, guys, <laughs> uh, I want your recommendations for removing body hair eventually when I'm ready to take that step. But for now, I just want you to recommend me some good music.
1: Yeah, I got something for you. It's, it won't do anything. Uh, it would only add hair, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I only like music Allegedly. that puts hair on my chest. Um, mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I only like uh, chemicals that take hair off my back. <laughs> Shout to near No, I'm so, Justin, go. Do you like
1: hair on your face? Do you like hair on your chest? Do you like hair uh, under your girlfriend's arms? What? Do you like hair on your brie? Well, I have a great band for you. Uh, this is Fange from France. Huh. Uh, very, very, very fun. You're really selling it. <laughs> so yeah, so we got this uh, this powerful uh, three piece Fange, uh, their new record Panto Crater. Uh, it's a two track, half hour, uh, fucking uh, industrial uh, sl- slodge fest. Huh. I'm saying slodge. Um, just uh, coming out uh, May seventh this year, but they just they you can stream it. So all the, all the for-sales are coming out it's now. Out. It's, it's out. It's fucking out. Um, Speaker-killing industrial sludgy uh, death. This production got me right away. Um, maybe it's it's spring in the air. Maybe it's my brand-new grill, but I felt uh, as a pig in a blanket with this. Uh, oh. Just very comfortable, um, soft, pillowy, disgusting uh, music. Um it's got these, like, uh, author and Punisher vibes. Uh, but what I like, but it like what this band does, kind of picks up the slack of what I don't get from listening to Author and Punisher, which seems mostly a. It's like a single guy doing an elect like a death metal project as an electronic artist. This is like a death metal band doing an industrial kind of project right less um, slouchy Um, yeah like it's it's performed live as a band uh really interesting sounds uh it's a fucking mood uh there's you know these haunting like clean guitar lines that they put in uh create this really creepy atmosphere um and all in all it's just very patient uh churning and uh yeah just impressive progression i think like you know you know this could be a, a a new uh, the new Matrix This could be the new Matrix movie That's coming out if, You know What we have to look forward to So This could be uh, the new Matrix music yeah. Style Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm very excited about it uh, Fange uh, They have a uh, A few A few records Back catalog That aren't as Highly produced as this But still give that the, You know Very uh, not like you know, Grungy Hardcore In a way um, Thick Right Textural Yeah Check it out, Harry Brie. (laughs) Fange.
2: My recommendation tonight. <clears throat> Firstly, how can you pass on a project titled Slund? S L U N D. All the way from Slovenia. Huh. It's a one-man project that started in 2017. Um, this is a this is the EP Slundinoid. Oh my god. Uh, um, this guy is busy. I actually, what, what's this? The gentleman's name is Igor Mortis. Now I'm gonna assume that's not his Christian name, but either way, he does it. Uh, this man does not lie with his music. He's definitely having some fun here. What I like this, what I like about this, and I, I think is unique, is that while it plays into a lot of grindcore tropes, this dude slows down a lot and gets really groovy throughout this EP, introducing like sludge elements. Like, super fast stuff, and then all of a sudden we're, we're slowing way, way down. And it's nice to hear those tempo changes with this kind of aggressive guitar stuff and the more humorous samples and whatnot. Mm-hmm, uh, there seems mm-hmm. to be an element of rhythm that is being paid attention to by this gentleman. Uh, the vocal patterns, they're easy to follow, but they're really intense. Um, so this guy slung, he's killing it. Really enjoyed this this release. I got to go back into the back catalog. He's been busy, three full lengths, a bunch of splits and EPs, but Slondonoid is a winner for me. Really enjoyed this one. So uh, go check it out. It's out on Bruxism Records, digital only right now. We'll see what happens. Hopefully there's a at least a tape release of this. I think it deserves one. And uh, check it out. Slundinoid
0: by Slund. (laughs) That word makes me feel dirty. Justin, Tom, you guys like to be international, globe-trotting, <laughs> artistic, exotic names with your recommendations, cutting-edge.
2: Slender from Slovenia.
0: Yeah. I, 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 listen, I'm not a well-educated man. I, I like fishing. I like pickup trucks, and I like heavy metal. You ever heard of a little band called Accept? from germany boy have i god damn I'm, I'm, I'm sorry the name is just a word my balls
1: are only in one place because of this band.
0: except it's uh, it's just a very simple word it's not i'm sorry it's not it's not not fancy no i'm just kidding you guys brought in noble recommendations regal recommendations but i'm i'm bringing you guys right back down to earth i like heavy metal that's why I do the podcast. I mean I think most I think you guys and most of our listeners could could probably agree with that sentiment on some level. I like heavy metal.
2: I'd have to agree, if we have listeners that don't, what are you doing? Yeah. What, what are you doing? Go to go learn how to code.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of the I mean, just if you like the sound of my voice, there's a lot of like much more successful podcasters that have my there's Joey Diaz, <laughs> there's Tim <laughs> Dillon. Like none of these guys talk about death metal, and you can get that, that 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 beautiful accent. Listen, except German bands. Some people might be most familiar with them through their uh, '80s uh, hit single "Balls to the Wall." Man, yeah, featured on Beavis and Butthead. That was with their former singer Udo. I'll get into it. Don't worry. Um, but at least for the last ten years or so. Um, their singer has been trying not to make Tom have to edit it while I check my phone and say this guy's name, but now he's going to have to edit You're it. You're just going to have to song. tell
2: me who it is when I send you for edits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Too mean to die. What a fucking album title. I've never really listened to this band that much, but I watched a few of their live videos, and they were fucking awesome. Like that dude Wolfgang or whatever, just playing guitar, like mirrored flying Vs and fucking leather pants.
1: Like, just a fucking
0: champ. So for the last 10 years or so, they've been fronted by Mark Tornillo, uh, Tornillo, or uh, however you pronounce it, um, Tornado, who uh, is like a dead ringer sonically for Udo's. Uh, throaty, gravelly uh, uh, vocal tone. Now, except uh, their new, by the way, I'm talking about their uh, latest album, Too Mean to Die, 2021, Nuclear Blast Records. Um, and, you know, to sum it up, I've always seen except as an underrated band from back in the day. You talk about the new wave of uh, British heavy metal sound, because they're obviously a German band. Um, I've seen them in the past as kind of like a Judas Priest with a much more raw street like maybe Judas Priest with a twist of Motörhead that's that's really i hate to i hate to dumb it down and be but i'm a, i'm not a smart guy i drink the budweiser in the back of the pickup truck with everybody else all right uh, and and i fucking except to me is Judas Priest with a with a twist of Motörhead they're not really as uh, it's not as theatrical it's just more tough you know what i mean yep. and udo's voice signature style I was listening to this album today. Obviously, this isn't Udo on vocals, but Mark Turillo does a great job of singing in the style pioneered by Udo. Um, And I want to talk about that vocal style. It's a very specific vocal tone. It kind of almost sounds... um, It's it's reminiscent of Lemmy in the way that they use this gruff, almost like a punk hardcore type of uh, throaty vocal tone and rip... Uh, new wave of British heavy metal style uh, uh, theatrics and um, melodics from it and um, I gotta say Mark Tarillo does a great job of uh, uh, continuing the legacy of Accept uh, in the vocal department and kind of like I, I had to draw a parallel in my imagination to Queensryche um, and, and that dynamic how the lead singer leaves and goes solo and the band replaces him with a singer that sounds uh, shockingly similar to how the, the original singer sounded, and both parties go on to make some pretty good music. You know, and I'm not going to say Udo deserves a lot more respect than Jeff Tate, in my opinion, because I did, and I sent you guys a clip. There, Udo does his own solo project. Um, it's it's like U.D.O., but it's Udo, and they're preparing to drop a live album that was recorded last year. Uh, and I got to say, Udo's voice, he, he shows a little bit of age, But his voice almost sounds more evil and a little bit more black metal yeah age could work out for the gruff with that gruff signature vocal style that udo does his age has almost made it a little bit more evil and creepy sounding and i gotta say if you want to check out the youtube videos previewing this live album coming up he uses a delay a very pronounced delay tone Delay effect on his vocals so that you actually hear a repetition of his last few notes every time he sings, and it just it just backs up this idea that the guy still still has it. And if age has affected his voice, it's almost um, distorted it in an in intriguing way that mm. that works. But um, but uh, you know, again, this is kind of a dual recommendation because I'm recommending you the ongoing legacy, dual legacy. ...of the singer Udo from Accept, who parted ways with Accept, but also the band Accept... Um, not just with this latest Too Mean to Die 2021 album on Nuclear Blast, but they've put out a number of albums with Mark Tarillo on vocals that are worth your attention if you're a fan of heavy metal. And I said, hey, I like heavy metal. I joked around at the top of the recommendation. But you know, we talk about grindcore and gore grind and technical death metal and all this crazy stuff noise, doom, blah, 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 blah. A lot of slunge talk around here. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's, and that stuff's cool. I'm not, I, you know, I joke, but I'm not mm-hmm. knocking your guys' recommendations. But I sometimes I like to just bring it all, break, break it all back down again. You know, break it down again like Tears for Fears said. Um, and I get back to heavy metal. I get back to punk rock. I get back to classic rock. And this is something I had to share for anybody who's inclined that way. And maybe some of our listeners, if you like Iron Maiden, if you like Judas Priest, if you went back and did a little bit of your homework, maybe you like Motorhead, uh, except <clears throat> is, I feel like, left out of the conversation a lot. And maybe you should go back and check them out. That concludes my TED Talk on the band Accept uh, and their legacy and um, uh, lead singer. Okay, so listen, um, accept. (laughs) There's a few things I have to accept in my own life. We all have to accept things. And maybe the music of the German uh, legacy thrash uh, New Wave British heavy metal band uh, accept could help you accept those things in your life. Uh, Also, if you want to go further down that wormhole, there's also the solo work of Udo, (laughs) their legendary lead singer. Um, And it's, again, it's one of those things where I can't pick sides. I'm just glad that both teams are putting out good music. Uh, maybe they can all sit at the Thanksgiving table one day and work it out. Oh, wait, they're not American. Uh, the Christmas table, I don't care. Whatever the They fuck. got a Tenenbaum, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah <laughs> sit around the Tenenbaum and play a couple of riffs. I don't give a fuck. Work it out or don't. I love the music. Keep putting out the op. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and a similar thank you goes out to Steve Schwegler of Piron Seputus and Weeping Sores uh, for sharing his story uh, with us tonight. Also, thank you for his service. Um, Navy Man over there. Now, um, uh, we covered out uh, what's coming out. Seputis uh, Phantom Indigo album, obviously coming out in June on Willow Tip. You can peep for the, uh, preview singles that are out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, peep for the Pyrrhon and Weeping Sores latest releases that have been out and for anything new that's coming out. <clears throat> and, um,. Uh, Listen listen to accept. You got to give accept. No, I'm I'm done with accept. You got to accept it. Phantom Indigo
1: reminds me a lot of a purple villain a little bit. It does.
2: Yeah. Which is, uh, that's kind of an inside joke, but it's also phonetically funny. So back to the podcast.
0: That's right. Yeah. uh, You can actually smoke uh, purple haze wherever you want in New York. I don't know if I mentioned that tonight at all. I'm very, very much not angry. Balls to the law, man. About the legalization of marijuana in New York State. uh, There's a lot of things that make me upset. That does not make me upset, allegedly. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, Another thing that doesn't make me upset, if you were to go over to theheavyholepodcast.com, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your uh, social media of choice is for propaganda and false information. We got enough of it, too. Go check it out. Uh, Maybe you like T-shirts. Patches, whatever Mm -hmm. other merch we got coming down the pipeline, you can go to slash shop. Yeah,
1: that's it. And that's a good point, uh, a good time to bring up. uh, Oh, oh. you know, a lot of people uh, didn't really like fake joke bands.
0: They didn't embrace that promo. They didn't embrace
1: it. You know, maybe a handful of people, and thank you. You guys got uh, 7% off. True. And and free shipping, and and we thank you for that. Uh, But now, as a punishment, Oh, there's a new promo code. Uh-oh. Oh, it's called Balls to the Wall. Balls. I spell it B A L L S. Number two. Mm-hmm. D A. Oh. W A A L. Balls <laughs> to the wall, and then I'm just gonna say man, but that's not part of it. That's got to get him more than seven percent because that's tough. I was gonna say six <laughs> percent. Well, that's that's a smart. lot of work. We're gonna all right, we're gonna give you twenty-five percent off. Wow. Twenty-five percent that's a quarter. That's an entire Damn, quarter. Damn, we should have talked about wow. this before, all right. Twenty five percent off balls to the wall. Man, that's not a part of it. Check it out. We'll be posting it on the socials. This is like a, this is like when you had to enter a
0: game genie code. It's Best right. You That's right. That's right. You better get it right.
1: Left, right, up, down. Balls to duh, wall, yeah. man. Not part of it.
0: Yeah. Left.
1: Uh, yeah. Get get your uh,
0: heavyoldpodcastcom slash shirt uh, yeah. slash shirts, but <laughs> slash merch. <laughs> left, right, whatever. It wouldn't be right for me to have left you. At the end of this episode. You see, I'm just trying to take the segue and valiantly dig you out of this hole you've dug. It's not
1: slash shirts. It's slash shop. Yeah.
0: Heavyholepodcast.com slash shop. Balls, number two, D-A-W-A-A-L is the promo code. See, I I got you. That's right, man. I I hooked up a little... a little, like, metal cable to the Segway, and I dug this guy out of the mud. Fuck yeah, dude. Just like I used to do out there on the tractor and Long I used to drive a fucking tractor, man. I'm not—people hear the accent, they think I'm on the subway in New York City. I'm from fucking Suffolk County. Ah, listen. That's a guys, tall grass, guys, accent. God, oh, oh, oh I'm excited. Okay, <laughs> I'm excited. They legalized weed. All right, guys. Shout out to Steve Swagler. Shout out to Pieron Seputis, and Weeping Sore. Shout out to Accept from Germany, Udo. Shout out to those, I can't say the names of the bands of Justin Baguettes. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Fange. Fange and. Slund. Yeah, shout out to everybody, <laughs> uh, especially you, the listener. We thank you for your support. If you want to support us just that extra little tiny bit more, or if you want to get your name shouted out and inject your own questions into the conversation like we did tonight, you can follow us over there on the old Heavy Hole Podcast uh, Patreon. Uh, how do people do that? Like if they're like me and they don't even have a smartphone, they have. I, I have a jitterbug. Well, they pick up their phone, patreon.com
2: slash Heavy Hole Podcast. Very mm-hmm. important. Can yeah, I access so.
0: that on my jitterbug phone or? Yeah, well, you just need one phone. Yeah, I want. I want. I want a, 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 a. Remember the Sports Illustrated sneaker phone? I want that in Nike Air Monarch. Dude, let's get that for you. Yeah, you know how many things I need in my life? One.